Thank you, Pastor Felix. I should teach you not to go to Africa without me. Amen. It's good to be back home. Amen. Good to be back home and Pastor Katana, good to see you. Restoration, good to see all you good folks. Uh, I just want you to know how I did attempt to pass the Felix Katana to just ignore my intention. Where is he? Salary. Yeah, the typical person, you were 
very happy and content until you saw someone else working less and making as much as you, or maybe even making a little bit more than you are doing the exact same job. And now you can look forward to going to work because you have such positive opinions of your employer. All of a sudden, you don't think he is that great anymore. Your, your opinion of him has changed. Somehow you feel you're being treated unfairly. And uh, you can set up an appointment to go and discuss this situation. And then you're going to start complaining. You didn't complain before, you were happy, but now you're complaining because someone who's not working as much as you are is making as much or perhaps a little more. And you think and you feel you're justified now. And you're going to treat you wrong. Now, you agree to the salary, you were. You negotiated that salary. You, you got what you negotiated. You, you told folks that you got a good deal. But all of us, <laughs> yeah, because somebody who's not working as hard as you. I mean, am I, is, is that a fair assessment? Well, if that's the way you would respond, then you, you can relate to the folks of this parable. Now, now, here's the problem, though. In this parable, Jesus is the employer, so. So, 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 so all of that anger and you not being fair and all that stuff, Jesus does a parable. You ought to be able to relate to the folks that you just said, yeah. But I just want to let you know with your bad attitude. That in this story, <laughs> the employer is Jesus, and he's the one rewarding someone who only works for one hour as much as you who work for 12 hours. <laughs> okay, Matthew chapter 2. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed, he had done what? Agreed with the laborers, in other words, they sat down and they negotiated this. This was a contract. This was an agreement that they entered into. In exchange for this amount of work, I will pay you this amount of money. Is that a deal? It's a deal. When he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, let's use, let's, let me use, let's use this $20 hours, okay? And you'll find that they work 12 hours, 20 times 12, so let's say they agreed to pay you $240. And he went out about the third hour, so these folks are going to begin their day at 6 a.m. Three hours later, it's 9 a.m. 
and the landowner, the employer in this instance, needs more workers, he hires some more force. And uh, he saw these people standing idle in the marketplace that needed some work. He needed some workers. He said unto them, go also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I will give you. Now, I want you to begin to see a difference. In the first instance, there is an agreement. There is a contract. There's negotiation. I'll do so much work for you. In exchange, I expect you to me this message. But now, we're beginning to see that the same employer, landowner, is hiring some other folks later on in the day. But what's kind of this different? Because there's no agreement. There's no contract. All he says is, work for me, I'll give you what you want. So in other words, she's going to be to give you what I want. There's nothing legally binding. I feel like giving you nothing. You can't take me to court. You agree. Yeah. 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 Now you work, and you just leave it up to me to decide what I want to give you. That's how I'm going to back to you. All right, and in verse 4, he said unto them, Go ye also to the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I'll give to you. And they went their way. And yet he went out about the sixth and the ninth, and he said, Nine o'clock, twelve o'clock, three o'clock, he keeps his heart open. But he's saying to all of these other people, he's going Go ahead, I'll give you a job. And they go, and they begin working without a contract. And about the 11th hour, it's 5 p.m. now. There's just one more hour left in the day. The sun is no longer out. It's it's cool. And all that is left is just one hour. But he thinks he's been living an hour. He says, why stand you here all the day? And they stand here because no man has heard us. He says unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and what's the average right? That So when evening must come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man two hundred and forty dollars. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. Well, we worked 12 hours. We worked all day. We worked in the heat. We worked the longest, we worked the hardest under the most difficult conditions. If you paid them, especially the folks who work one hour, you gave them $240, surely. We expect that you would give us more. But when the first came, they supposed that they should receive more, and they likewise received every man two hundred forty dollars, which they had negotiated and signed a contract. 
And when they had received it, they murmured against the good men in the house, saying, These last brought but one power, and those have made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and even the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a penny? Take what is yours and go your way. I will give you the last even as unto you. Is it not lawful? Do not I have the legal right to do what I will with my own? Is your eye evil or your covetous because I am good? Verse 16, this is the good of the So the last two first, and the first last, the men in the call of the All right. Now, we all agree that we can identify with those folks who work all day. They got paid the same amount that folks that only work for one hour. We, 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 we all admitted that we would have an attitude. So we're no better than they, so don't, don't act like you're so. Yeah, yeah. So you can understand their attitude, okay? Now, here's the thing. Because this is obvious to tell this parable not to applaud the attitude, but the correct attitude. Well, let me say this This parable is not. Yes. Jesus is telling this parable in response to a conversation that took place in Matthew chapter 19. In Matthew chapter 19, this rich young man comes to Jesus and wants to know how to prepare eternal life, right? And Jesus talks about that conversation with him for the second time. At the end of the day, when Jesus says, Go sell all that you have, and, and, and come follow me, it was too much of that. Then Peter and the other disciples heard Jesus make a comment. Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom. Now, when the disciples heard that, they said, look, then who could be saved? Now, this is why they're saying who could be saved, because they believe that wealth also is not going to fill so the rich young ruler was represented somebody who had great faith over God. His riches proved that God favored him. And if someone who got favored and who was enjoying the blessings of God, if Jesus said concerning that person that it is easier for camel to go through the eye of the needle, the disciples begin to be very concerned. If he can't make it, the, the one got, what about us? What chance do we have? So they got nervous. Jesus is changing and messing with their theology. And then Jesus answers, and this is, this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, listen, with man, it is impossible. Let me just stop and say this because I, I feel we really, really need to hear this morning in church. Salvation is impossible. No matter how hard you work, no matter how long you pray, no matter how much you fast, no matter how disciplined you try to be with your Bible reading and your prayer, no matter how good you try to be and how hard you try to be saved, salvation is impossible. You and I can never do enough 
to save our And the sooner you recognize that, the sooner you can take your eyes off of yourself and turn to the only one who can save you. Say hallelujah. With God, all things are possible. The only reason you and I are saved is because of what God did, not because of what you did. You got to hear me. It's God who has saved you. It's God who has delivered you. It's God who has redeemed you. It's God who has cleansed you. It's God who has qualified you for salvation. God is the one. And so your heart ought to just be full of gratitude. And you need to understand it's impossible because until you understand it's impossible, you will end up still thinking God expects you to be able to contribute to your salvation. Because none of us read it's impossible and we read it's hard. Yes, we don't really take that like Jesus said. It's impossible means not possible. But we read it and say, well, it's very hard. So you gotta really make up your mind. And you gotta try your hardest because this is so difficult. Ladies and gentlemen, Salvation is not just hard, it is impossible. And you will never become, you'll never experience salvation until you reach the point where you truly give up. And say, Lord, save me. Because I can't save myself. And not only is it impossible, it's not something you can do. God has to save you. Sacrification is also. Something God got to do with you. Are you hearing me? Glorification is something God got to do. Your part and my part is to depend upon Him and put our faith in Him who is able to do the impossible. Say hallelujah. All right, that's just on the side. Okay? But Jesus makes this statement, and, 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 and the disciples are very concerned because here is an example of a man who they've always thought because he was rich. And powerful. God's hand was upon him. Jesus says, With God, it is impossible. Then Peter asks another question. Peter says, I don't know. Okay. I'm a little bit concerned about my church. Not only because of the salvation piece, you've already said with God is impossible. But what about the reward? Because I was a I wasn't rich, but I had a pretty good business as a fisherman. I was going well. But I, I had a dream that one day I would be a rich, young ruler. That was my dream. I didn't, you know, I wasn't satisfied. I wanted to be like this guy. I'm young, and I was longing for the day when somehow I would be rich and powerful. And when I left, my fishing book and my fishing business, it was because I thought you were the Messiah. You were going to establish this earthly kingdom, and if I became part of your inner circle and I followed you and I, 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 I served you, that when you enter and establish the kingdom, I will be one of those on your right. Are you, are you hearing me? And, and I will then become 
the, the, the ruler, rich, young ruler, I dreamed of becoming. Now you're saying that the rich, young ruler does. So, 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 Jesus, I thought we had a contract. I thought there was an agreement before I agreed to follow you. We had at least an understanding. We didn't write it down, but there was an understanding. It was a type of a contract. And I thought that if I did A, B, and C, you would do D, E, and F. Now, I've been doing A, B, and C. I've left all follow you. I've been serving you. But it looks like you are changing the terms of the contract. I was to do A, B, and C. You are to do D, E, and F, by which I will become a rich young ruler. But now it looks like you've gotten away. You, you moved the F. You removed the E. And all I'm getting, it looks like I'm going to get out of this D, is a D. So, 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 forgive me, sir. I know you're, 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 you're a special person, but I don't want to disrespect you, but can we have a conversation? This is a manager. This is a lawyer. Remember? Terms of the agreement, we have a conversation because I need to reevaluate the decision I made based upon apparently some wrong assumptions. If I'm wrong, I want to know what's in this for me. Since you're, I don't care, I don't like the way you talk to the rich young ruler. So I need to get it clear. I have left all to follow you. What's in it for me? What's my name? What are my benefits? Do I get life insurance? Do I get medical retirement? How many sick days do I get? Retirement? What's my salary? Any bonus? Because if, if, if the terms have, have changed, then I may just consider turning in my resignation and go back to my fishing business. You know, Peter says what one of us is making. The truth is there's so many who serve Jesus as though it's a contract. verbalize it like Peter, you're too quote-unquote spiritual to say it. But there are many of us in the body of Christ who serve him as though we have a contract. And, 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 and let me say this, there are many who don't serve him because they won't serve until they get a contract. But those folks aren't here. Those folks aren't here. So we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the rest of us who do serve him, and we serve him because we believe we have a contract. Just like Peter, we believe we have a contract. 
that says, if I pray long, go to church, and do A, B, and C, then he is legally obligated to do D, E, and F. And if he doesn't do D, E, and F, or he does D, E, but not F, I may just reconsider this whole relationship. I may stick around because I want to go to heaven, but don't expect me to fully surrender. Don't expect me to fully follow. Don't expect me to continue to make these kind of sacrifices of my time, my talent, and my treasure when there is no guarantee that in exchange for my sacrifice, I'm going to become a rich young woman. You're going to bless me with position, possessions, and power. Because the reason I signed up for this was I thought that by doing this church thing, doing this kingdom thing, I would get in exchange position, possessions, power. How would we encourage That was my dream. Jesus was only a pathway. You were simply the means. You were simply the way I thought I could get there. It really, really ultimately was never about you. You were simply a means to an end. True Sabbath. And we may not be feeling conscious of that. But if we were to examine our thought process and really look at it, for many of us, that is the motivation. I'll do this as I'll do this because I'm wanting you to do this as this is. And if I don't get this, 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 don't expect me to continue to be faithful. Don't expect me to continue to tithe. Don't expect me to continue to volunteer, sir. Don't expect me to continue to show up. Sunday after Sunday, come to Boston, come to Brandon, sir. Just no, hold on to give me nothing. I still believe that's it. Are you listening to me? So this is the situation, and this is where Peter is at this point in his journey. He is at a point in his journey where he is seeing Jesus simply as a He is following Jesus for position, positions of power. And so when it looks like that is being threatened, he's honestly not as Jesus is a And Jesus answers him. The way Jesus answers him is twofold. First, Jesus says to him, Peter, let me tell you this. There's no one who will leave houses, brothers, sisters, mother, father, wife, children, last for my sake, for my name's sake, for my name's sake, and for the sake of the kingdom. Who will not receive a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come? Eternal life. 
So it looks like, in response to Peter's question, what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? It seems that Jesus Peter serves me because we have a contract. I assure you, you serve me. I'm going to give you A, B, and C. You're not going to serve me in So at that point, Peter says, okay, all right, get in take it up and run. Because it looks like I'm not going to do this. This is a relationship in which I'm going to do A, B, and C. And Jesus just told me, he couldn't, yes, have a contract. It looks like we do have a contract. Isn't that so? And if Jesus had just stopped there, then we would be justified in saying biblically it's right to be motivated in our service to God by a desire for possessions, position, and power. Because it seems like Jesus just said to Peter, yeah, but Jesus didn't stop there. Right after Jesus gave Peter that answer, Jesus went on to say, now Peter, let me let you know. The first shall be last. And the last. And so Peter said, now nah, Lord, you just confused me. You just gave me, you just told me, now you're, you're just, what do you mean the first shall be last and the last shall be first? You have just succeeded in confusing me just like you're confused. Because many of us really don't know what that means. <laughs> Okay, what does that mean? Listen to me. This is what Jesus is doing at this point. Okay? He has answered the question that Peter asked. What's in it for me? Now, he's answering the questioner. He has answered the question correctly. Now, he's correcting the question itself. Because if you got to ask, what's in it for me, Jesus, if I do A, B, and C, you got to promise you'll give me D, E, and F. And what, what, then something is wrong with you and your thinking. You need to be corrected. Because if your understanding of who he is is correct, and if your understanding of the privilege and that you and I have to be co-laborers together with him, involved in his kingdom business, involved in his work, if your understanding is correct, you would never, never ask the question. So the fact that you got to ask, what are you going to give me if I do A, B, and C, suggests we need to continue talking. Because I need to correct your you for your own good because the path that you're choosing to walk down spiritually is a dangerous one do I need to stay up there for that purpose okay are you following me so the parable now the last should be first of first the parable is intended to correct the question and to correct the questioner. That's good, man. Yeah. And so Jesus tells the parable. And he talks about the first group. Yeah. The first shall be last. He's talking about the first group. Yeah. The first shall be last. The last shall be first. 
and he talks about this group that starts to work at 6 o'clock, that group shall be last. And the problem is right now Peter is dangerously close to becoming or to belonging to that group. And Jesus said, Peter, that question you asked, you need to understand. You're, 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 you're playing with stuff here. Yeah. You're, you're playing with stuff. So I'm going to tell you a story because I want you to have the opportunity to make a choice, Peter, whether you want to be in this group in which it's all about what's in it for me, where you relate to me on the basis of a contract, where the relationship is that of an employer and employee, if that's the group you want to be a part of, you, at least you need to know what I think about that group because those who are in that group, those who serve me for power, possessions, and those who, 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 who have this employer-employee mentality, those who insist on a contract and who won't do anything unless they guarantee some return, if that's the relationship you want to... They have, I just want you to know what I think about them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those folks go to the back of the line. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the first shall be, yeah, yeah. They, they, that, that kind of attitude will put you, Peter, yeah, the to the back. Because I can't do much with folks like that. Because oh, their yeah, motive yeah. is wrong. Yeah, their yeah. attitude is wrong. Yeah, yeah. I can't depend on folks like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if that's going to be your attitude, Peter, I, I may have to reconsider all the things I thought I could do through you. Because I want you to know, those folks who think like that, they're going to the back of the line. So you're going to work with me, Peter. you got to change the way you think. you got to redefine the nature of our relationship. Because hear me, folks, God is not interested in having an employer-employee relationship with us. Amen? God is not your employer. You are not his employee. And if you insist on having an employer-employee contractual relationship, you have taken the relationship that God wants to have with you and you have diminished it. Because the relationship God wants to have with you is that of a father-son. God's not your employer. He's your father. You're not an employee. You're his child. Huh? The relationship Jesus wants to have with you is not employee-employee. It's groom and bride. Yeah. Yeah. But when you look at it as ABC, therefore DNF, you're insisting on relating to God as though you, it's a contract. When really, God's relationship with you is a covenant. And if you don't know the difference, then you're in trouble. I want you to know, I want you to know a covenant is far superior Oh, blah, 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 blah. why would you want to have a contract when you can enjoy a covenant? Why would you want to reduce God's relationship with you to A, B, and C, D, E, and F when you can have a covenant where A, B, and C leads to D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, D, A, B, C. Come on, guys. You That's what Jesus said. Peter, you're cheating yourself. You're diminishing this thing, and you're preventing me from having the kind of relationship that I want to have with you. You see, that was the problem. The people in that first group had an employer-employee contractual relationship. And the reason they insisted on that, 
is because, listen to me, they didn't trust the landowner. It was a trust problem. Because when you look at the, the discussion that took place, when he approached the 9, nine, nine o'clock folks, the 12 o'clock folks, the 3 o'clock folks, and the 5 o'clock folks, he always approached them saying, work for me, I'll give you what's right. I am convinced. He approached the first group with the same man. That was his way. That was his way. He would come and say, you work for me. I'll give and they said no. They said, no, 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 no. We're not fools. We're going to have a contract. Because we work for somebody else and they didn't pay us. No, 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 no. We're going to have a contract, a legal enforceable agreement. If we, you follow me? And so they insisted on a contract, a legal agreement. So he agreed. That's what you want? If that's how you want to relate to me, well, okay, I do need the work done. So let's go ahead and sign the papers. And is this fair? Okay. But all the other folks, when he said, I'll give you what's right, without hesitation, they agreed. Suggested they trusted him. And that must mean they knew him. You don't just agree. Oh, yeah, yeah. They must have heard of this man. This man had a reputation. You got to hear me. Because this was the way he did business. He had a reputation. And all of those guys, the 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock folks, understood that this was a good man. That's what the King James says. And they understood he was a generous man. And they must have heard that he does reward those who work for him. But his rewards are not wages. His rewards are gifts. Because he doesn't reward you just based upon your behavior. He gives you what's right. What's right for you. Which means he looks beyond, oh, you got to hear me. He looks beyond your performance, what you did and what you didn't do, what you should have done. He looks far beyond that. He just looks at you and gives you what's right for you, what's right for your life. He sees your dreams. He sees your vision. He sees your purpose. He sees your struggles. He sees your challenges. And when he's rewarding you, he's not calculating. He put two hours in. Therefore, all you deserve is this. No, 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 no. You see, his rewards are grace-based. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. His rewards are covenantal. They are not contractual. So he looks far beyond your behavior, far beyond your faults, far beyond your achievements, far beyond your accomplishments. And he looks at you. And you, and you, and you. And he sees you. Not just what you do. He sees you. And he rewards you giving what is right. Amen. Not based Amen. upon the size of your work, but based upon the size of his heart. Oh, you ought to let God bless you. You ought to let Jesus bless you. You ought to know God enough and know Jesus enough. That you say, you know what? We don't have to talk about rewards. There's no contract. We don't have to negotiate. I just am privileged honored to be invited to be part of what you're doing and you know what I know you and I trust you you do what's right and I just want you to know whatever you do I'm going to be satisfied because I know whatever you do is going to be right because I know you too many of us in the body of Christ 
still want to relate to God as an employer-employee. We serve him if we do this, if he does that, if he does that. Or anytime we have a need, we think we have to work for it and earn it and merit it and deserve it. And whenever, whenever you relate to God that way, you end up cheating yourself. Because we see from the passage, listen to me, the folks who worked for one hour, the same amount as those who worked for 12 hours. And since those who worked for 12 hours got what was fair, it means those who worked for one hour got 12 times more than they deserve. You got to hear me. When he does what's right, when you let him do what's right, when you decide to trust him, and trust his grace, and trust his wisdom, and trust his love. When you say, Lord, I just trust you, and you let him do what he does, and you just go ahead and do what he's asked you to do in the vineyard, and leave the other thing to him. Listen, gentlemen, he will do exceedingly, abundantly, above whatever you can ask for in a contract. Come on. You, you don't, don't sign no contract. Don't sign no contract. You're always going to end up with far less. You're far better off. Leaving the rewards to him. Are you listening? I think my time is up. No, you got to bring me back. My time's up. But, but I hope you hear what I'm saying. And this was the whole purpose of this parable, to correct Peter's attitude. And, and in speaking to Peter, he's speaking to all of us. And he said, listen, don't, don't, don't diminish the relationship, a father-son relationship, the groom-bride relationship, to an employer-employee relationship. Don't relate to me as though we have a contract. There's no contract here. This is a covenant. And the thing about covenants is they are based on trust. They're based on trust. you got to trust one another. But if you are willing to relate to God as a father, not as an employer, and you relate to Jesus as the groom, and you're willing to put your trust in his love for you, his wisdom for you, and you celebrate that, are you hearing me? And you respond to whatever he asks you to do simply by doing what he asks you to do. Without sitting down to analyze. Okay, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, what will I get from the church? Listen to me. If you're doing that to us at church, you're doing this to God. That's it. Come on, let's be honest. You've never seen God. I haven't seen him. This is his body. The church is his. So you're one of those who, before you would make yourself available to doing God's will in the church, you've got to calculate and see what the church will get, give you in return. Will I be a deacon if I do that? Position. Huh? How much power are you going to give me, Pastor? <laughs> Listen, if those are the kind of questions, instead of simply freely, because you know you freely receive. Listen, the folks in this parable, who were in the last group, they freely received. 
You know you freely receive. So what, what do you need to do? Freely give. That's what you ought to be doing in the church. That's how you ought to be serving God. Well, if you operate from that vantage point, you position yourself to receive God's best. And that's what I desire for you. That's what Jesus desires for you. Don't cheat yourself like, like those in that first group did and like Peter was about to do. Thirty-four years ago, I married my wife. It's a good thing she didn't ask for a contract. <laughs> because she wouldn't have gotten much. Amen. Okay, I'll marry you, but before we get married, you got to make sure I, I got, you know, what can you give me? Back then? <laughs> All she got was, I think she had two pairs of shoes. Had one nice dress that she wore to everything. If she would have settled for that, she would have been at a loss. Thank God she didn't ask for a contract. She said, I want a covenant. Oh, Rabo, shake it. Yeah, I want a covenant. You know, we're not going to negotiate any of that. I just want a covenant, and I'm just going to trust you to do what's right. Thank God she had a covenant. Now, 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 now. She didn't, there was no contract that said you live in a nice house. But because of the covenant, she lives in a nice house. No covenant, no contract that said you got to give me a car to drive a nice one too. But because of the covenant, she drives a nice car. Hmm? No contract that say, say, uh, you get to buy as many pairs of shoes. And that's, that's what's really important to her. The car and house can go, but the shoes. <laughs> but now, praise God, because of the covenant, she can buy her shoes. She doesn't have to ask permission. Doesn't have to examine the contract. Am I eligible for this? Have I worked long enough? Have I cooked enough? Have I done enough? So finally deserve this. No, she doesn't even think in those terms. If she wanted, as long as the money is there, she can do it. The only limitation is the amount of money I got. I'm serious. There's no restriction. My wife has full access to everything that has me, that I own. The only limitation is how much I have. But thank God with God. Come on, with God, there is no limitation. So why would anybody want to have a contract instead of a covenant with God? I got a feeling after Jesus had the conversation with Peter, answer the question. And I said, Peter, you know that you, you can be, it's up to you. I mean, you're free. You can be in that first group and be an employee and you'll get what you deserve. But when you get what you deserve, don't complain. 
they, they, they could have had a covenant. They said, we want a contract. Okay, you got a contract. You got what you deserve. And now you complain. You ought to have known you don't deserve much. Now you're complaining. And unfortunately, that's the attitude that a lot of folks have who have this contractual employer-employee mentality. They feel entitled. How come you're giving them as much as you gave us? We did this, we did that, we did that. Entitlement. That's one of the ways you can know you are an employee is when you feel entitled. I did this, I did that, they didn't give me this, they didn't give me that. You're an employee, you're an employee. You, you are an employee. Amen. And you are cheating yourself. You're hurting yourself. <laughs> Raise your hand. We're going to pray. I'm going to give the service back to Pastor. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this service. We thank you for this word. We thank you for utterance. We pray, Lord, that what your people have heard tonight, what you have chosen to speak through us, will take root in their hearts. And most importantly, Lord, may it produce a change in attitude. Amen. May it produce a change in attitude in our relationship with the Father, our relationship with the Son, our relationship with this church. Our attitude in this church, our attitude towards work, our attitude towards ministry, our attitude towards service. Lord, let this revelation change our attitude. We don't want to be numbered among those who are last. We want to be like those who were last, but now are first. Now, let me close with this. Listen to me. Listen to me. Think about the last group. The work day started at 6. And they had worked all day until the 11th hour. There was only one more hour left. And this man sees these folks still standing idle. And he approaches them and he says, why are you standing idle? And listen to their response. Nobody has hired us. And then he says to them, you know what? You go work too. Hear me, there's work to be done. There is work to be done. And it may be 5 p.m. in your life. It may be 5 p.m. in the kingdom. But don't ever say, because it's 5 p.m., it's too late. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't say I'm too old. It's 5 p.m. Grace still makes provision for you at 5 p.m. Don't, 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 say, don't say, you know what, I've been in the church since 6 a.m. I haven't done a thing. Everybody else has worked. And now it's 5 p.m. And for all of these years, I've just been sitting doing nothing. They don't need me. 
They might not even want me after all of my, the way I've acted over these years. Listen, it may be fine. It's true. You may have been here for years and you haven't gotten involved. Thank God grace makes provision for 5 p.m. folks to get involved. Hmm? Say 5 p.m. How much work can you do in one hour? Probably not much. Probably not as much as those who've done, been working for 11 to 12 hours. They probably did a lot more work than you can ever do in one hour. But don't say, because I can't do as much as they've done, there's nothing left for me to do. Your part may not be as much as others who have gone before you, but there's still room in the kingdom. There's still work in the church. There's still something that God has left for you. Yeah, yeah. Listen to me. It was a pure act of grace that caused that landowner to send those people into the vineyard. What, yeah. Why do I say that? Because in reality, if he really, really wanted to, he could have managed without them. It wasn't so much that he needed them that day. It was really when he saw them being idle and he heard them say, nobody has hired us. And he knew that they had children to take care of. Food to feed those kids, clothes, school fees. He sent them into the vineyard. Not because he absolutely needed them. But they absolutely needed him. It may be 5 p.m. And in one sense, God can do without you. In one sense, the church could manage without you. It's managed this long. But the truth is, the reason he has left something for you to do is because you, you absolutely need him and you need to get involved. You need to get involved. It's for you that he has continued to leave an opening. Do you hear me? Respond to what the Spirit is saying to you right now. No more excuses. Respond to grace in Jesus' name.